0: First time in the history of the production line podcast, the Red Wings have a new head coach, Derek Lalonde, named the 28th head head coach of Red Wings history on last Thursday. We, we were thinking about doing a surprise episode and we decided to kind of let take the holiday weekend, let it marinate um, along with us, you know, putting, putting some other stuff together, you know, relaxing wise. Um, but yeah, we're excited to break that down. We had, we had a press conference, which was really good, which we'll get some stuff from that. But yeah, yeah. Welcome into the Production Line podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And Andy. Andy's back. Feels good. Feels right. Back with, back with the vengeance. Back with a vengeance. And we're here to talk about some head coaching news, which is kind of a perfect one for you to come back on, to be honest. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, yeah.
0: But uh, first, a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS is your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and, yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet. You win. UK paid. BetUS.com. I also kind of buried the lead as well. Um, this is our first episode as well with a new logo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, new logo. So, I mean, if you guys, we're still waiting on it to get updated to Apple Podcasts, but if you look on Spotify right now, it will have the new logo and also our Twitter and Transistor, depending if it's, you listen to it through Transistor. It's on Apple Podcasts now, I'm pretty sure. Is it actually? Yeah, I, I thought,
2: saw it on there. Um, Pretty fresh, guys.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I'm i really happy how it came out. We were working out for a couple of weeks with uh, Logo Hound, uh, or Logo Hound, Hog, excuse Hog. me. On Twitter. Um, And yeah, after a little bit of back and forth, we got to right exactly where I want to be. So shout out to him. Check him out on Twitter at Logohog. Um, Really great work. He's done a lot of stuff with the Inside the Ring podcast. I also buried the lead in the second sense of uh, this is a special episode as well, because this is uh, our pre-draft episode. So we had our good friends, Carson Gates and Ryan Fugue. Uh, Carson Gates of train Rick sports covering the Buffalo Sabres and Ryan Fugue of inside the rink covering the, the New York Islanders. So we did a 16, the first 16 teams, we did a mock stra- mock draft, which was really fun. And I think everyone really liked it. We, there were some crazy takes, but I think that's, what's most fun. We did our best to predict what each of those GMs would do, not what we would do, which I feel like is way more entertaining than just us being like, Oh, this is who we think the best player is, you know? which I think is a, a bad habit of a lot of podcasts get into. I, I know ours is way more speculative, but also I think it's a little bit more fun uh, outside the box. So definitely uh, stick around for that. It's going to be, uh, I've been teasing it for a little bit and I'm really happy with how it came out. Uh, but yeah. Derek alone. Not really a surprise, especially like Jeff Merrick was beating this drum ever since like Jeff Boucher got f- fired. Like yeah. that was like one, and it kind of seemed like I saw something that I, I, I don't know who I was listening to. I think it was, I think it was um, Frank Sarabale. He kind of said that everyone kind of felt that Derek Lalonde was going to Lalonde was going to end up in Detroit, but everyone's kind of afraid on reporting it simply be fact that Iceman hated leaks, and that they didn't want a, a guy to lose his NHL position simply for the fact of someone reporting something that they think is right. So who knows how much contact they had. It kind of like in the press conference, it did seem a little weird of like they kind of hinted that there was conversations before like Tampa Bay was out of the playoffs, but then they said things really started to heat up after the fact with a, with Alone saying that he didn't get a lot of sleep after and then Steve Eismo was just bugging him. So I did like that. Obviously, Kevin Weeks tweeted like a couple of days before it happened that Lilone was spotted in Detroit. So must have been a second or third interview there at that time, but uh, initial thoughts like right away when the news drops, what did you guys think?
2: I was pumped to have a new face. I mean, it doesn't really matter who at this point. Uh, Well, I mean, I guess it kind of does, but I think Lalonde is a a really interesting guy for the job, and ultimately a a pretty good fit when you're uh, still edging a rebuild instead of one of the old Grizzler names, i.e. Pete DeBoer and other guys, like Barry Trotz, because that kind of claims that you want to win right now. So I, I liked it.
1: Yeah, same here. I was, wasn't it like a shock because we've been even, even been talking about it where it's going to be one of the two assistants out of Tampa would be like a good fit, right, before. um yeah. Between Lalonde, which it's still weird saying Lalone. I always say Lalon, but... <laughs> Um, and what's the other guy's name? The, Halpern.
3: The
2: Halpern. Yeah, Halpern.
1: Halpern. Yeah, I knew something like that. But uh, with lalone no, it was exciting, like uh, Grant just said, to have finally have a face behind the bench where see what direction we're going into now. Um, Timing-wise, I guess perfect in a sense where it's before the draft, but I wish it was a little bit earlier. Obviously, couldn't with Tampa going to the finals in Game Six. <clears throat> but yep. no, like, it's exciting. Like I didn't realize until um his interview, how his long list of like success at all the different levels and like where he came from, his journey, kind of um between mostly assistant coaches at certain levels and then in and out as a head coach. But it's kind of exciting just to not get a recycled coach again, right? Like just someone fresh, a little bit fresh. It's still an NHL experience as an assistant, but first time as an NHL head coach would be. Interesting yeah. fun, hopefully fun to watch as a Wings
0: fan. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what Eisman was kind of hinting that He didn't – ultimately, he wanted a fresh face. He didn't want to retread, which yeah. kind of, like, wasn't really surprising because, I mean, you look at his history of hiring. He's only hired – this is his third head coach hiring. The first two being Guy Boucher and John Cooper, both guys who would never been NHL head coaches at the time. Yeah. So fresh faces in that sense. Um, no, I the press conference, I think, gave a lot – and the first thing I noticed with LaLone, like my first takeaway was, wow, he's so personable. Yeah. I think that's something that Jeff Blasha was also really good at, was being personable with the media. I think that goes a long way, too. I think that's important for a head coach to be personable as well, easier to approach. And I think LaLone kind of, the way he described his relationship to players, he kind of seems like more of a player's coach. And he's really going to value development. And which for a young team, I think this is perfect.
1: Yeah, he really in the presser, he really valued um, development, but also like personal relationships with the players. Right. Like he, he was asked two or three different times about oh, how's he going to introduce himself and what, like when does that start getting um, starting relationships with all the players, the core players and prospects and other roster players. And he really went into detail about how his approach about that will be. Yeah, what is coachable view going
0: on about that, so. He said his first priority was to get a hold of each player and establish a relationship. He thought that was the first introduction between their head coach and a player is key, which yeah. I thought was really, I don't know, that really stood out to me. Piggybacking
2: yeah. off of kind of what you said about just the way he's personal with players and you think he's even good for young players, how does this change your trajectory with, like, Philip Zidina or Phil Peronic, two guys that I feel are very interesting players at this point in time for the red wings
0: yeah so like i kind of have this question like later on but i might as well to get to it right now um i think this changes for both of them to be honest if i'm gonna be completely honest like i think i's been kind of looking at this and it says all right let's see what you can do with these players obviously there's been players like bertuzzi larkin etc that have developed and have become top players but i got like zadina who has such raw still has so much raw skill that hasn't been tapered and or confidence right Philip peronic who does have a talent but fails to use it a lot of the time in the right scenarios. And it seems like there's something there. I mean, also like you look at Lan, he said he basically his biggest goals are pr- approving the defense in the special teams, which yeah. was De- the two worst aspects of Detroit's team last year.
2: To me, improving defense means that they're going to trade heroic but I guess easier said than done. Uh, it's, I, he's really interesting to me. I, I would person personally, if you're bringing in a new head coach, that I feel really personable with. I feel like Blaschilk was kind of lost with Zadina. I think that's a really interesting guy to me. Yeah. Um, not that I'm confident that there's that the package is full there. Um, he's raw still. Um, Heronic to me, I think he's a guy that I would look to trade at the draft still.
0: But Yeah, depending on the right, the right price and stuff like that, I think that's big as well. Yeah. Like I'm not just giving him away. Um, I, I also think depending on <laughs> depending on free agency and stuff, which is another like thing I was kind of hinting at with LaLonde loaned, Excuse me. Um, uh, I'm gonna keep saying that because that's how it was for like the longest time. Yeah, I- I- everyone said it that way, and then been comes out of the the press conference with Derek Lalone, and I'm like, well, he's not just gonna mispronounce it, yeah. so therefore it's Lalone. Um, but no, I was gonna ask how you guys view free agency now with some of the comments that he made about playoffs and stuff. And he's like, what's temper expectations. Um, obviously when I get things, uh, he's like, that's obviously would be nice to make the playoffs. But again, that's not priority. Number one, we want to play the right way first and not just like squeak in, which I think a lot of retreads, like a guy like Peter DeBoer, DeBoer and stuff like that. That's their number one goal. Cause it's their job security, right? Is just make it. doesn't matter how you do it. Just make it.
1: And And LaLone,
0: right. LaLone kind of has this, opportunity of coming in with a young team and getting to grow with them i mean if it does happen right away cool but also you know it's not the priority number one so i kind of view i don't know for me personally i think this changes like some of our hopes for what we thought free agency might be with some of the bigger names i don't know if you guys kind of view it the same
2: that was my first thought initially i still don't think if the price is right for a guy a certain guy like philip forsberg you can't just find superstar talent in your backyard you have to make a move somewhere along the line if you want to gain a difference maker and on forward I don't think that changes if the price would be right for him um he's only 27 I personally I would love to have Forsberg I mean we talked the other day Garth about how you don't have that game breaker on forward Philip Forsberg is a game breaker yep um very interesting name I don't know what that means for a center option, I know I, I kind of backtracked on that one a little bit. I said like a guy like Trocheck would be really interesting, but I'm saying you're not going to sign Trocheck and Forsberg to be one or the other for me. Although they're different positions, I don't see you spending that big on two different positions. I would be very curious to see if they go for another Pew suter sort of deal at center this year. Like a guy like Dylan Strom, if he goes unqualified, which I don't think will happen then I think there might be a trade there instead of unqualified or not qualifying him. Right. Um, picking up a guy that has the potential to still be a second line center that you're having three guys fight for a second line center spot then next
3: so, year.
0: So, so I guess like a, like a Gabriel of Velarde, maybe a Which guy would also in, be
2: interesting. Yeah.
0: Like with the with Fiala trade now, like there's some rumors going around that LA prospects aren't too happy. And that's another team that you could pick off, like a Turcotte, a Velarde, that kind of that kind of caliber. Yeah. Where granted, they're they're definitely troubled and stuff. They've come out like a discounted price, but they could have the upside. And with a team like Detroit, you can give them the opportunity, right? And yeah. just let them let them play. So no, I definitely think that's kind of what I my mind was at. Is like there's gonna be a lot of more opportunity on the team versus where they're like going after. Like I think a Berggren's gonna get a long look in preseason, very, very. long look. I would expect him to play most of the the preseason games. Simon Edmondson, long look, as he should. Elmer Soderbloom, I think, is also going to get a long look. I think so, too. Pontus Andreessen, long look. Long look,
2: look, yeah. It's going to be fresh to face this year, this year. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting.
0: Yeah, also, like, Lalone doesn't have, like, all this pre-notions about any players, right, coming in. Yeah. Obviously, from what he's seen, like, scouting against Detroit and preparing for games. But – other than that, like, he has nothing. Like, even a Philip dina he's going to have a fresh slate, which is perfect.
1: Yeah, right? that's what I was just going to ask. You're talking about preseason, and certain players getting a long look. Do you think Zadina gets in most games? Like, I know he's kind of on that fence where he's been in the league long enough to where he shouldn't be playing all, was it six or seven games, whatever preseason is. I think
0: he gets a long look in the sense of how many different line mates he plays with. Right, like if that makes sense. Like I point. feel like he gets a rep with like Larkin, Raymond. Let's say he gets a rep on the second line, he gets a rep on the third line. It's kind of like, yeah. where is he going to fit the best? I think yeah. that's the biggest key of like unloading. And then I also with the specialty in conversation, like he did say with Tangay that his plan was to keep Tangay and have him. He likes what he brings on the power play, which I liked some of Tangay's schemes, but also like you could argue he should have been better, right?
1: Yeah.
0: So, well, I think some some conversation with him in terms of usage with Zadina can be another big thing as well. Tangi is
2: really interesting too, because it was his first year being an assistant coach in the NHL. Yep. And I I also compare him a little bit to Jeff Halpern, both interesting guys, Um, very recent NHL players. So they both have good minds. And I mean, Belone and Halpern were together in Tampa. And I think that's a, a somewhat similar guy to Halpern, not completely. Yep. Uh, tangy is more fresh, but I think it's a, would be an interesting fit there.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I yeah. So I am just so curious to see what Lalone does with like the players on the roster currently, and how he can is able to bring that team to the next level, and like that's the biggest key, right? And that's what he's here to do because obviously Blashevel wasn't bringing the team to the level that Eisman saw is fit. Um, I did like an came away. Like he almost did a, like a uh, a better job of tempering expectations than Lalone did in the sense of people asking him questions. And on um, Lalone, he says, I expect him to do things his way, not the Tampa way, not the John Cooper way, the low, like Lalone's own way, which yeah. I really like that. Cause obviously like, it's really easy to fall in the trap of like, even with Lane Lambert as well with Barry trots, let's say like, everyone's like, okay, Lane Lambert's going to run a similar system to Barry trots. We don't know that.
1: We don't. Yeah, there's um, definitely going to be similarities, but it's not going to be structured the same. Or maybe there's similarities, but it's not going to be ran exactly the same regimented. The right. Same, right. I think with
0: Lalonde as well. Like, I think the biggest thing is gonna be communication and how he yeah. handles players. Like, I feel like I'm curious how he runs the, his media conferences. Like, like let's say after a loss or something, and a player like doesn't play up to up to snuff. I'm curious if he's going to be like more so open with calling a player out versus Jeff Laschel. Like John Cooper's not really afraid to like. Do his thing and call a player out, like out if he didn't play well, right? right? Not in like a negative, like super negative way and drag him, but like hey, like he could have bet he could have been better on that play, yeah,
3: yeah. I'd and not, like but...
0: more so being open with players in that sense. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying Blasio wasn't open like behind closed doors, but maybe open with everyone. He says is his biggest thing, so I'm curious what how far that communication goes. I don't know if I'm off on that. No. Yeah, I don't know.
2: It's an interesting kind of conversation to bring up there i don't you don't know until you're in the room with the guy
1: right right right
0: um i did like i found it interesting on how long like eisman's relationship has been with lalone like dating back to green bay which is i mean it's kind of something that like eisman kept going back to that organization after john cooper and looking for talent among coaches um yeah, and again, we've, we've mentioned this a couple of times. Grant and I have seen – we saw Derek Lalonde coach the Green Bay Gamblers, and that was with uh, Nick Schmaltz when Nick, Nick Schmaltz was uh, – it was his draft-eligible year, which that, was, that team was good. The Gamblers team, team that year really was good. good. I think they won, they won the Clark Cup one of the years he was there. I don't remember if it was 2012, 2013, or 2013-14. It's one of the two years – because one of the three years he was there, but I'm pretty sure it's one of those two years I specifically said. Um, he also had a really good year his first season in Toledo as well, which again that's a Detroit tie, but not with Igmoon. And yeah. I kind of said I, I kind of said that in the last episode when we talked about the Lalone rumors, and then obviously Halpern was had like was reported by Andy Strickland in inside track. So I'm curious like how far that process went as well. Um again, there was like the Kevin Weeks tweet too that both could end up in Detroit, which is again was really cryptic, but very interesting. Um but yeah, Lalone, I'm really excited to see what he can do with the team. To be honest, and again, I'm I'm super happy about a fresh face. I'm now like I was I was pretty happy about it at first. Like I, I fi- like I knew it was gonna be kind of one of the two Tampa Bay guys. And after like even a couple of days now, I'm I'm even more excited for the next season and what he actually can do. Again, yeah. he kind of he kind of uh, said well, he- oh, go ahead.
2: I was just gonna say I kind of figured with the amount of length that it took, it was gonna be one of the two guys from Tampa, or it was gonna be Orsovsky is that his name? Yep,
1: from Chicago. Chicago.
2: Um, I mean, he's a pretty decorated AHL coach too.
0: So yeah, I'm he, curious. I'm curious. Maybe gets an assistant job, something Should. like that. Yeah, some kind of look. Um, but yeah, he kind of views team defense, risk management, improving those things as, late, and eventually would come to success afterwards. Which again, it's all about the process, which is something he stressed. Um, I did like the, the story that came out about him when he was coaching Toledo, um, the, him, the fans of, I don't remember what team, what city they were playing in, but he was being called, he had a, there was a, some guy with a sign that had an uncle Fester picture on it. And they're referring to him uncle, uncle Fester from the Adams family. And I mean, obviously Derek Lalone kind of looks like him or grew depending, depending what's your favorite fit there. But yeah, um, so fan was kind of teasing him. It was during a playoff game too. So after the game, Lalone being a good sport goes up, signs the signs the picture and takes pictures, which I thought was like kind of a fun story of like him being able to roll with the
3: punches. Yeah. Which
0: is sometimes tough to do for a head coach, like is like to take your ego out of it, which
3: I thought he well, did a really
1: good job. A lot of pressure, but something like that really shows like that not only is he claiming to be a personable, yeah, he kind of is from his actions as well.
0: Right. Well, I, I really, I really uh, got a kick out of that, kick out of yeah. that story. Maybe smile. I know. I just like, I liked how the Toledo reporter, I don't remember his name is Jordan something. I think it was went up for the Red Wings presser and was able to like, and and Lalone recognized him and acknowledged him like within the press conference. I thought that meant a lot.
2: Um, that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. The whole, yeah, the whole press, con- I think Eisen was really complimentary of the whole process Chris Illich really cracked me up. There was a couple times I'm like, Chris, you just need to stop talking. Yeah. When it came about the Tigers, I'm like, Chris, you need to stop talking. You're not going to make anyone happy. And, of course, he went viral He went viral like around Tigers media about his comments about being happy with the young guys and as they're having a worse season than they were last year. So definitely not Chris Illich's best look. But, again, it's fine. He's just there to – there signing the checks. So, yeah. obviously, he's expected there. I did like how – he basically said without saying that Eisman had controlled the whole process and he tried to give Eisman input and he, Eisman didn't take his input really. Basically, Eisman was just all hands on deck for himself, mm. like, like all, both hands on the wheel for him, not ownership, which was, which, which was funny.
1: Which his dad, like his parents, have had that reputation as well. Like, you're the one that's leading the ship, you're the one that's in control. You, exactly you have, yeah you have this job i mean of course an owner is always going to put some input in and give right one or two cents but ultimately it's your decision as the gm
0: yeah and i think like they, he kind of did say that as well but obviously i don't think eisman was really taking it like he took it but like it was in one ear out the other kind of thing yeah
1: he half listened to it yeah exactly yeah.
0: um yeah so moving off of the coaching search, I mean, a little bit more um, in terms of head, co- like assistant coaching, because we have an assistant coach spot defensively and a goalie spot open as well. So uh, okay. Freed reported that Detroit interviewed Calgary assistant Ryan Huska at least once, as well, as, as well as AHL goalie coach Alex Westland. So I don't really have a lot of information on Westland, the goalie coach. And again, goalie coaches, I'm whatever, like we hire a new one. I'm, I'm curious to see what they do. I'm not going to, I'm going to reserve judgment until I actually see something. But um, Huska, I mean, assistant coach for Calgary, which he was running the defense for Calgary, who was a very solid defensive team. Uh, I'm very interested to see. I want to know if it was more so a um, for the head coach or was it assistant?
2: That's what I'm curious about.
0: So because obviously he was an assistant last year, but with the success that Calgary had, I'm curious to know if it was for one or the other, because he's a guy, if he's willing to come over as an assistant, because it'd be kind of a lateral move on a team that's worse than Calgary right now. I'm curious to, to know what the fit would be there.
2: Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about Huska. Do you know, is he, is he from the U S or from,
0: I'm not sure. I really, I really don't know that much about him, other than the fact that he, it was rumored at one point that Chicago was going to hire him as a head coach. Yeah, Kevin I just tweeted that out. I and had then he, saw he, that, and then he said he apologized for pulling the gun too quick, and there was Luke Richardson. So again, he's kind of like getting those looks as a head coach. So I'm not sure whether or not Detroit was hiring like, like you know, interviewing him as a head coach or an assistant coach. Um, another name that I'm really curious about. And who he played defense in college before obviously his, his like career was ended, and then now is the head coach of Denver, David Carl. I know he'd be a really young bench in terms of NHL experience, but but uh David Carl is an interesting guy to me as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, do you think they'll go young or experienced there?
0: I would I personally would think like just how teams are run, I think they would go for a more experienced coach. Again, I don't really have that name on the top of my head though. Yeah. Like, I, I said, like Rick Bonus last episode, simply for the fact that like he runs a good defensive system, can't run offense for shit. But, um, I did think that could be like in theory could be a fit, but obviously, there was no link or anything. I wasn't reporting anything, it was just more so like top of my head, here's what I think
1: a type of guy, uh, like
0: yeah, like bonus esque. Yeah. But I don't really see that right now. I mean, like, other like guys, like assistant coaches, like, all I think of, it, like, you, got, you hear more about the power play guys more so than the defensive guys. Like I think like another name is like John Torchetti that comes to mind who's in Detroit again, but again, he's a power play guy when he was in Detroit. I, I, I didn't mind Torchetti, to be honest, but um, yeah, there's probably a billion names that we're not even thinking of, and I'm not going to try to speculate. I'm just kind of saying what Friedman, Friedman was reporting. Also, there was rumors about an extension with Larkin starting to be worked on. He kind of speculated whether or not that his no trade clause kicking in in a couple weeks had anything to do with it being a key date. Like needing to sign an extension by then, or else like Larkin had full control of being traded. So, I'm not worried about Larkin being like. I don't think that's a big deal at all. I think he's signing a long-term extension. It probably will be not too, too, not too much far off from free agency starting. To be equally honest, is it weird that I think like players are kind of weird, and I think it's gonna be announced on his birthday, which is the end of July. That'd be kind of cool. That'd be kind of cool. I think that's like I feel like players are just weird like that. To be honest, I
1: can see that happening. A little nice way to celebrate the birthday with a paycheck. Well, right. A paycheck, I guess securing.
0: Right. bag. I don't think Larkin's going anywhere, considering like he did just go to Moe Sider's Calder. Yeah, <laughs> winning the Calder, and he went to the ceremony. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> like, it's this is just a formality. Like, it's, again, this is negotiating. He switched agents to get more. He get a bigger paycheck, and as he should, he, he's earned yeah. it. He's earned the right to negotiate a higher pay rate. So exactly. I'm I'm curious about what the number ultimately ends up as and how much like if it's going to be a full eight years, which I hope it is. I hope it is. Um, also, to finish up with Fridge, he did report that he's been reporting for a little bit that he speculated about Jack, uh, Jack Campbell. And I guess the short is interested, but not the favorite to land him, which obviously could save Dalkovich. And they probably view him as more of a tandem versus like the actual starter. Yeah. yeah. But I I mean, the fit would be the fits there. On the right, on the right amount of money, I think that it's there to be a one A one B situation with with Camp uh, with and Campbell. Right. I don't know what you guys think right away.
2: It'd give Nadalkovich some breathing room compared to last year. He didn't really have that. Um,
1: it'd be interesting. Yeah. For me, I, I I'd like to feel like I think we've talked about this before when I was doing the uh, whole cap friendly special. At, um. The armchair. Arm, armchair, yeah, armchair GM, yeah, that's what it's called. Where at the right at the right price to get him because I don't think they're either of them yet. Well, more than Nedalkovic yet, but I still don't think they're either of them are a true solid starting goaltender for the whole length of the season. So it gives, like Grant just said, it gives Ned some uh, breathing room, some experience, some backup, and from like what everyone has said in Toronto and even guys that play with uh, him in Dallas and uh, LA Campbell's a good teammate, like a great teammate. Everyone just kind of loves him flower in the personality
0: yeah,
1: um, side of it. So like you said, for the right price, I, I'd like that. I wouldn't mind that.
0: No, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think that's a very, um, that's a, good way of looking at it in the sense again it all depends on term and money for him and depending on how much leverage he has and in going into the market i mean i heard edmonton's gonna be pushing hard for him as they need a starting goalie and i feel like we could get up by a team like new jersey as well who's desperate yeah. as, as i feel like as well um so I, yeah I, I agree like i could see why detroit would be interested but i don't think they're super in on it either well,
3: we kind of talked look- about
0: the last episode andy um about with Bradstrom re-signing in the goalie situation. And we kind of view Detroit's goalie situation as more so uh, another guy like an Okanora-esque player that will be competing for the number two spot. A yeah. Kind of an unknown name. And I, a name that Grant and I kind of thought about after the podcast is Jorn Van Padelberg. is a guy who we still own the rights to and has sick numbers in the Swiss League. I'm curious if the Red Wings. They, they own his rights. He was a 2015 fourth-round pick. I'm curious right. if he finally makes that that trip over to the um, to North America. There was a report in December saying how Detroit was co- constantly calling about him, checking mm-hmm. out on his progress. So I'm kind of curious about that as well.
1: Yeah, it's, who knows what Steve has up his sleeve? Like he's always a sneaky guy. So, yeah, for sure. It's a mind twist. Yeah, I,
0: I think this would be a good place to uh, lead into our special mock draft edition. Lead in right here. So uh, here's our 2022 NHL mock draft with Carson Gates and Ryan Fugue. Enjoy. Welcome into a special edition of the production line podcast where we'll be uh, doing a mock draft as we're we're in the week of the actual draft 2022. And we have our good friends. Finally, both of them on at the same time. Ryan Fugue and Carson Gates. How are we boys?
4: You know, we're doing well. It's, it's draft week. Excited to be here. And, you know, I'm just happy to be on the first episode with a new logo. That's right.
3: Trying to predict the unpredictable here.
4: We're so, yeah, we're
0: pumped. We're pumped here. Uh, we all, all of our teams are drafting in what is considered the lottery, which for a few is a little bit of a, you know, kind of an uncomfortable position for the first time in a couple of years. Was, was more of a normal thing under, you know, another Garth. But we're back now. We're back for. Yeah, few... Fug-
3: I, I would say that this is normal position for me. The past couple of years, we're out of position. <laughs> I'm used to this.
0: <laughs> we're back. We're back to being focused on that. But yeah, um, I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham, and we got Grant Wickham, Andy, Andy, Andy's Andy's kind of along so for the ride. Um, yeah. it should be fun. Finally, we have. It's been a month since we've had Andy on, so it's going to be. It's going to be exciting. I want Andy to give his input in on all the picks, but for this exercise, we're going to be trying to do our best in predicting, like Fugue said, predicting the un- unpredictable, and we're going to pretend to be each team's GM, but not do what we would th- we would do, do what they would do. We're going to try to guess each team's position and what who they would pick. So for this exercise, we have kind of did a little randomization. Um, we're going to have – so Fugue covers the Islanders for inside the rink. And so for this, we're going to have him picking for the Islanders. And then obviously Carson Gates covers the Buffalo Sabres for train wreck sports. So he's going to be doing the ninth overall pick and the 16th overall pick. So it wouldn't be a normal snake draft, but we're going to be a little bit mixed up in some places. But we're going to to have Carson at number one with the Montreal Canadiens.
4: Am I on the clock right now? You are on the clock, sir. We are live. As much as I wanted to do something fun here and just go completely off the board, I think Montreal would be too afraid to do something crazy. And with that being said, I think Shane Wright has to go number one for that reason. If they don't do it, they're being very risky and putting all the rags in this kid's basket that I don't think would be worth it. So they're going to go with Wright, have the safe pick and, and go from there.
3: I did,
0: I did see something from um, Ken Hughes today that the decision's down between Cooley, Wright and Slavkoski. Is what he said. The, the, it's going to be one of those three picked. Don't you just and think that's,
2: like, he's that's, just uh, trying to dramatize it?
0: Uh, de- well, definitely, is definitely a dra- like, it's definitely being put up for drama, but it's pretty rare in a draft that we actually get this kind of drama. Like, we look back historically. I mean, I guess, like, slightly a little bit last year with power, but not really.
4: Yeah. Uh, um, 2020,
0: like- Lafreniere was pretty set. Jack Hughes was pretty set until Kako kind of had a big world championships. 2018 was and. Yeah. 17 was, like, the last year that was somewhat interesting. Like,
2: piggybacking off of Carson said, if they don't select right in Montreal, I think that building will be in shock. And I think that's going to be a mess. Like, if yeah. Slav busts, which I think would be really funny, like, <laughs> I think Montreal would be in a shell shock. Like, I think right is this safe pick there.
0: I, that I'm kind of rooting for it. Like I want the chaos. Give me the chaos. I'm gonna be on stream with Inside the Rink, and I Ooh. I want I want that pop. You know, I want something crazy. That'd be electric. Yeah. Um. We're going on to Fugue number two with the New Jersey Devils. So Shane Wright is off the board.
3: So uh, at number two, I think the Devils should get crazy. I think that they should package the number two and call up uh, Anaheim and be like, hey. You got Anthony Stolarz waiting to be a starting goaltender. Hand us over John Gibson, and we'll give you the number two pick. I think that would make a lot of sense for both parties, but I am not in control of the actual picks. I can at really select the pick, and if I'm going off of what the Devils need, I would pick the number one-ranked defenseman, Simone Nemec. That's how you pronounce his name. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Dude, you gotta go back like 13 sentences. What? Great pick, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Simon Nemitz like, probably like my top three as well, but
3: John Gibson for the second overall pick. Okay, so. Well, no, what, not not one for one, but like, that would be the, the basis of the trade. Uh,
2: what I just basically took out of that, and this is what I've been saying for so long, I said Anthony Stoller's. Is better than Jack Campbell. He could have carried the Leafs in the playoffs. Uh, and you just agreed with me that he could be a starting goalie easily. Is that
3: that's what you're saying, right? A hundred percent. And okay. if you even want to Perfect. go further down the pipeline, they have Lucas Dostal. I think that's his name. Yeah, Dostal. And yeah, yeah. He who has been, he's very highly touted. So I think mean, they have the goaltenders. Trade them away, like get something for them.
0: Wow. Okay. So, we're going with Simon, yeah, Simon Nemich. And so, I mean, that's fun. I do like the crazy takes. So I hope that happens. Man, New jerseys they're bound to do something a little silly, I think. Yeah. They're bound to do something a little silly. That would be um,
2: actually so fun, too. And then Luke Hughes.
0: <laughs> yeah, Luke yeah, yeah, package Luke Hughes for Jack, John Gibson. Let's do it. <laughs> Luke fun. Hughes.
2: They actually, they shocked everybody. They go for Stolars instead. Luke Hughes for <laughs> Stolars in a second.
0: I mean, the conversation we talked about, one, he's going to be cheaper. Yeah. So it won't cost you a second overall pick.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: so gonna avoid that. At, but at first, I
1: thought that's where he was going. <laughs> I was like, is okay, he's starting could be a starting goaltender, but not for the second overall pick here.
0: That would be some <laughs> some big brain moves from Tom Fitzgerald. Yeah, he's not messing around. Not messing around. Um, wow i I don't know if I can top that as like craziness for the Arizona Coyotes, but. Yeah, number three, I got Arizona. Oh, they're such an interesting team. Because you look at the prospect pool right now, it's such garbage, to be honest. Like, you don't have us really a center for the future. You have Dylan Genther, who's a solid, like looks to be a top six forward who can score, maybe a 30 goal upside. Um, Jacob Chickron's great, but he wants out, not happy with the team. Uh Clayton Keller, I don't know how long he lasts. So it's just like they're they kind of need everything. So I'm kind of just gonna go best player available here and it's Logan Cooley. Um, it does help because they don't really have a good center. They have Barrett Hayden, but overall, I think Cooley is the best player and he has the most upside. My only, like, the only issue is like, what if he just like chooses to stay in college all four years and just dips? Because <laughs> he has that option. He's gonna be at Minnesota next year. I mean, no matter um, he'll, what,
4: he'll be playing on a college ring, so he'll be he'll be comfortable either way. Well, that's Minnesota's true. There will be- a bigger rink than uh, AZ,
2: so. He's gonna be playing at a. He's gonna be doing a major downgrade. What is it like? Half the
0: capacity in Arizona than it is at University of Minnesota. I think so. It's something crazy like <laughs> that because 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 it, like it's only supposed to be at ASU. It's supposed to be like four thousand after they like do the
1: NHL adjustment. Actually,
2: I think I think University of Minnesota packs like nine or ten thousand people.
1: I'm gonna say I think bad. with standing room, they can get up to like almost like eleven. Or 10 oh my 10 gosh,
2: minutes. dude! Oh, so bad. Imagine,
0: oh my. I'm but then.
3: just
0: like I, I like I like the fit with Logan Cooley in Arizona, though, and I've heard they've had really good meetings, and like I've heard that's like kind of like where it's trending. Um, and like personally for me on my board, like I have Logan Cooley first. Like I think he's got that kind of upside, but he just needs to, like it's almost like Jack Hughes, where he needed that extra time in college, and they should not rush him. And that's like the perk of be- being picked by Arizona. Is Arizona should not do any prospect rushing. They should just let them sit and marinate. So like I if I'm if I'm Arizona drafting Cooley, I'd, I'd let him sit for two years. To be honest, let him play they two years in college.
3: They need a
1: little bit of everything. For... Yeah, right. Well, I, I, I,
0: I considered Urachek, considering that they're gonna probably losing Chikrin, and they don't have any really defensive prospects. And also with twenty twenty three coming around the corner, they're probably going to be picking close to Bedard range. So I, I kind of thought about that, and now I kind of can you imagine Bedard
2: and Cooley together though?
0: Yeah, it's kind of where I'm going. I'm still going best player because they they just need talent. Period. Yeah. So I think you can worry about that later down the road. Um, But, yeah, so now we're on to Granton number four.
2: Uh, With Seattle, I think it's really interesting, too. It's kind of how you mentioned with Arizona. They don't really have a prospect pool. Well, because they just started out as a team. Um, To me, you have a top six center easy, a high caliber top six center. And then where you go from there, like with Slavkowski on the board, makes it really interesting what they would do because I think normally Nemec would be my guy here and he's gone. And I think you still take a defenseman. And i take your check there if I'm the GM. And then you're building – starting to build a, a young blue line core. And I think your check is going to be such a good defenseman in the league. Uh, I just think prioritizing like a 6-3 defenseman uh, – to build off of, too, for Seattle would be really nice. And then you have Matty Beniers down the middle.
0: It's hard to spend that, like that, prime draft
2: capital on a winger,
0: especially when well, your especially when your out. team is just starting out, right?
2: Um, and I think yeah. it's easy for you to, well, if you really want to, if you believe that you're going to be okay in the next couple of years and these prospects are be coming in, your, your high pick ones, it's easy to spend on a winger, than mm-hmm. compared to like a high caliber defenseman or center. And they have yeah. the center and veneers. And now you're getting your check, who I think is going to be very good, too.
0: Yeah, I like that pick. I'd i guess I'd, I'd probably have the same thing. The team that, like, I'm probably most curious to the draft is Philadelphia, and Carson's picking at number five. Yeah, I mean,
4: before Grant's pick, I was kind of set on Philadelphia, choosing someone like Brad Lambert, who lacks kind of, like, some on-ice um, awareness at times. And the Flyers organization just lacks awareness at all times. So I thought that'd be a perfect match. <laughs> but with the falling of Slavkowski, I think that's just that's someone they can't turn down in that situation. Someone that, you know, has the name um, that could score. But, you know, probably a risky pick. I don't know how any of us are really sold him as a prospect, but it just makes sense for Philly to take on that that risk. But I mean, with the hiring of, of Torts as a coach, you know, I could see him going out of the spot. But as Fugue says, I'm not trading the picks. I'm just making them. So I'm gonna stick with the stick with the big scoring winger there.
0: Yeah, obviously, right now there the rumors going around that DeBrinkit was off. There was an offer towards DeBrinkit, or they're looking to be in on debrinket. There, I know there was like a proposed offer, Friedman recorded of some Eastern Conference team offering a somewhat high first, good prospect, and then another pick yeah. with it.
2: So and like, Chicago said no. If you go off of that though, like, what would you think? Like, it would be like number five overall. Uh, 2023 first probably do they even have a 2023 first or no they do right now and then it would be brink correct and that'd be if i'm chicago i'm
0: I'm so doing that because philly has such a chance to continue to fall off exactly what if they miss again next what if they miss again next year
2: that'd be incredible
0: if you get that like unprotected too
2: (sighs) i don't know i i think that'd be a pretty solid deal like i think brink's a really good prospect too and I think yeah. at, at number five, like, you're getting a really, really good player. And then it's 2023 like that 2023 first could be crazy, depending on
0: right where Philly really falls. No, yeah, but, like, on this, like, Slavkoski to Philly, I think is actually pretty good of a fit. Like, you get the big forward, which I feel like Philly values. To be honest, like, I, I could have seen Cutter Gauthier here if the board fell a little bit differently, but Slavkoski yeah. falling, I think that's kind of the – that's the move. I think that's an easy move. Yeah. 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 Uh, We got – Ryan Fugue, number six, with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Their first of two picks
3: this draft. Uh, Columbus is tough because there's a lot of different directions that they can go here. And I was looking at their draft history just really quickly, and since 2016 when they drafted Pierre-Luc Dubois, they just love drafting centers. They didn't draft the center in the first round like once since 2016. They just love their centers. So I feel like it would be ridiculous to pick yet another center, and I feel like the pick should be Cutter Gauthier here. But I could totally see uh, – I, I don't know how to pronounce the GM's uh, last name. Yarmouk I could totally see, see him picking some random uh, guy here, like a Marco Casper, just because he loves drafting so far out of the box and loves taking like, – like when he took Pierre-Luc Dubois, no one had him going – at that spot and then converting to a center. Like, but I ultimately do think that Cutter Gauthier is going to be their pick solely because he is the best winger left.
0: Also, was, he's supposed to be playing center as well at BC next year. Was
2: he the, the prospect that GMs were going around telling him they think he's going to be a
0: center? Yes. Yeah. So okay, most which makes teams things... that he interviewed with, they he views himself as a center as well.
2: And backing off Fugs' point, that makes it really interesting for Columbus too, because you know they love their centers. And Gautier with that big frame, and I think ability putting frames with guys like Kent Johnson that have like just the he has boomer bust potential for me. I think he could be a complete bust, but I also think he could be filthy. I think a guy like Gautier
0: with Johnson on his wing would be really fun. Yeah. For sure, um, looks like I'm on the clock with Ottawa. Ottawa is such a weird team. They draft like they drafted Sanderson, and that looks like a great pick. Like he's going to be a really good defenseman. And then you follow up the next year with <laughs> with Tyler Boucher, who's had I think three and three NCAA points, and then 14 OHL points as an 18 year old or 19 year old as well. I think he turned 19 during the season. So I'm just not sure like where they're going to go. They love their guys with size. And they like that grit, but also I think there's been a little bit of change in the organization since um, Melnick's been, like Melnick passed away. Um, so I'm kind of curious to the go. I'm just and you your I'm asking a quick question before I pick, make my pick. Do you feel do you view Tim Stutzla as a center? No. 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 I'll take okay. capabilities on defense, in my opinion. Okay. So okay. in that sense, I'm going Casper. I'm going Casper Ottawa. He's a two-way guy. He plays with a little bit of grit. Um, he does everything like pretty well, but he doesn't do anything great. So he's kind of like he has like high sea, ce- like high floor, low ceiling kind of thing. Like I think he could be a second line center, but like he'll be guaranteed a third line center. Like that's like I he's gonna be an NHLer, but it's just like how good can he be? So I I like that pick personally for Ottawa if they get end up with Marco Casper. I'm kind of a Marco Casper guy, but. Ultimately, I think that's where they go because he has some size as well. And he played pro hockey last year and
4: also had a really good playoffs.
0: Ghost, What's that?
4: Uh, the friendly ghost, Casper. That's a good nickname. That's yeah. a good nickname. Now,
0: Grant's going to be picking for essentially our – yes, yeah, our first one of our actual teams that we cover. So, Grant's <laughs> picking for the Detroit Red Wings. So so, what's Stevie y doing?
2: This pick is really intriguing to me. Personally, the player I would want would be Casper at eight. I think he has a lot more upside to his game that meets the eye. But based on previous drafts with Detroit and the way they've been drafting, I think it's going to be Kevin Korchinski out of Seattle. He's 6'4", left-handed defenseman, and he had like 64 points in 62 games, I think,
0: this year. Yeah, he also had a good playoffs as well. Seattle went all the way to the silty. WHL championship.
2: Um, I don't know that there's many defensemen that can break out a puck like him. He's such a smooth skater. Uh, his skill is just ridiculous for his size, too. And like I know you talk about like positional need and like another left-handed defenseman you want to makes you want to moan and groan, but that gives you so much capability to have that amount of highly touted prospects on the D side to start making trades for other forwards like I think Korshinsky is a guy that could really grow and I know like Mintyukov too is a really interesting one too as a D prospect but I think like Korshinsky's is like a whole year younger than he is
0: yeah he's a late he's a late like he's like July or something like that and he had I arguably think. a better year than Mintyukov Mintyukov yeah no I definitely again I people really get fixated on like position like what we need like we look at the nhl team you're like this is what we need you know how much like that prospect's gonna take two or three years to actually make the team first of all mm-hmm. what's your team gonna look like then so yeah. i think you need to kind of like look back a little bit and you need to look at your prospect pool also i mean granted the, literally our strongest position on the prospect pool is left-handed defenseman with edvinson wallinder and johansson but which again, sucks but the thing is with that also you look how your strongest development
2: point for prospects, like you have Nick Cronwell literally developing defenseman right now. Yeah. That's that's not a bad player. Like, and if you're developing these guys into assets too, it's not just all about playing for your team. Nope. You develop a guy like Wallinger or Johansson into a guy that you can make a piece trade for, for an impact forward. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of value in drafting Korchinski at eight. And I think that it, that's the pick for Detroit.
0: Like I have a huge, like after like pick number five, I have a huge like blob of like 15 guys that I have like in the same range and Kortinsky have like 14, but that doesn't matter. Like I, I honestly don't like view, there's like such a smidge like of difference that I like between each player. So like, I don't hate that pick. Definitely. Like I think
2: Kortinsky would be my third defenseman on personally, third defenseman uh, in this draft. But I don't think he's he that close. far – I don't think he's that far off of your endemic, to be completely honest.
0: Really? Okay. He's he's filthy. Respect it. I respect it. I like the off-the-board mindset there. And that's Steve Eisman, right? Very he yes. does, does not really care what people think, mm-hmm. which I like. Uh, Carson, we got uh, the Buffalo Sabres. What are we doing? Yeah, I mean – What's, Kev- what's is, Kevin Adams doing?
4: This is Kevin with a wise third draft now. He went Jack Hughes or- – Jack. Jack, he's on my Jack Quinn first, <laughs> which is a little off the board at the time, but it's turned out really well. AHL rookie of the year this year. Last year at Owen Power, like easy pick. Um, so he's been kind of been taking players that kind of have a little bit of name to him, but no one really wants to take or like fans like. And I think it would be really easy to take Savoy here at nine. I, that's the pick I would kind of like. But knowing kind of Kevin and the, the Sabres needs kind of up the middle, maybe even on the wing a little bit. I think there's a player here that all of us really like um, and Frank Nazar that the Sabres would really enjoy that speed, that, that quickness and the Sabres would really enjoy that. And they just kind of need the help and consistent scoring because this past year is just kind of Tage Thompson and falls off with and Jeff Skinner and they need someone else to really uh, put pucks in. I think that'd be a good pick for the Sabres.
0: Yeah, it's also interesting. So, like, the biggest question with Naser is, like, what position is he going to play in the NHL? Yeah. Is it going to be center? Is it going to be wing? Buffalo kind of has that unique thing where they have a bunch of guys that could play center. Yeah, exactly. So, there's not a huge – like, there's not a lot of pressure on Naser to be that that mm-hmm. guy. And so, and if he does end up being a center, you are able to deal from a place of, you know, that you guys have a lot of value in, right? You have plenty yeah. of guys who can play center. You can move one out for something you need. Again, exactly. it's like picking, picking that guy who you view as the best player.
3: Because the like Sabres have, like,
4: middle middle set of someone like that who can play center or wing fans aren't sure, and he can even see his way out of town. Or Dylan Cousins, the same thing. So it'd be nice just to add another guy in that kind of takes the pressure off of everyone and, he knows is just going to be a good player.
0: He's also one of the best skaters in the draft. Yeah. The guy, team, guy the guy mm-hmm. can fly. guy um, can fly. All right. Number 10, Fugue back on the board with the Anaheim Ducks.
3: So, back-to-back picks, you you guys took who I wanted to take with Anaheim. Um, so, a little bit of a scrambling, but I think uh Pafferbeek is sweating a little bit right now. Uh, just a little bit. Because I definitely do think that their biggest need is defensemen. But well, I don't think drafting... I don't know if you uh,
2: listened to... Was it 33... 30, what? Uh might have been the Athletics podcast where they're talking about how... Anaheim Scouts were proficiently at Seattle games.
0: Yeah, they really want yeah. – like, it
2: sounds like it's going to be Korchinski, Korchinski. Which makes a lot of sense with Verbeek being with Iserman too. Mm-hmm. Uh Yeah. So that's interesting.
3: Yes. Yeah, that, that's who I wanted at, uh, yeah. at 10 or whatever. But since he's off the board, uh, I think I'm going to go – I'm just going to commit to teams becoming the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and the New York Rangers, and go full octane offense. And if I'm not mistaken, Joachim Kemmel's still on the board, right?
1: Yeah, He is. I'm
3: going to go with him as my uh, pick for Anaheim, solely because he will just offense. Just commit to offense at that point. You got Trevor Zegers, throw him on Zegers' wing, and just go for it.
0: That's what I was just going to say. Like That's a perfect fit. Pure finisher, Zegers is a good setup guy. You got a nice nice one-two punch right there.
2: I think getting Camo at eight, or I mean 10, is very good value there.
0: Yeah, no, he's a good player.
2: Probably the best goal scorer in the draft.
0: Yeah, him or Leclerc Mackey. So, depending which one you value most. Yeah. Like, either or, I think that's a – either or would have been a really good pick there. I like that. I think Anaheim obviously wanted the defenseman, but but you still end up with a very good player there. Um, I'm on the board. I or no, yeah, I am on the board, um, eleven, which is why am I blanking? Who's picking eleven right now? San Jose. San Jose. They're such an irrelevant team right now. That's why San Jose is such an interesting team to me too, in the sense of what are you doing? What do you How need? Are what are you so
3: bad? But picking at eleven.
0: I well, they had a good decent start to the year. Shout out James Reimer, but like. Overall, like they just they're such a mess. Like you look at their prospects. I mean, Eklund's good. They kind of need that center. But then they have they have a small forward issue. That's kind of what they have. Defense, they don't really have much going on there. Um hmm. It's tough. I feel like this is like too much of a layup, to be honest. But is it because there were teammates in Sweden? I'm gonna go look Maki Eklund's Eklund's line mate at points during the SHL season. Pure score, then you have Eklund as the playmaker. I know it rarely happens, but I don't know. If it's on the board, I kinda like it. I feel like San Jose kind of needs a win right now of, you know, with the Evander Kane stuff going on. If they might end up end up with him again and their GM search that's taking forever, they still don't have one. It's supposed to be announced tomorrow, though, but tomorrow. Well, today if you're listening to it on Tuesday. But yeah, I think Lukira is. Again, him or Kamel are the best pure scorers in the draft. So, and he also plays a nice little bit of speed. So, be I think that'd be a decent fit. I I'm not ideally. I think if like Korchinski was there, I think I would want Korchinski as well. I thought about Minchikov, I thought about Savoy as well, but I'm not convinced Savoy even translates to center. So, therefore, I'm going to value like Mackie over Savoy. Um, number twelve, we got Grant Columbus.
2: Uh, well, this pick is also very interesting to me as they took Gauthier already at six overall. And then the pa- the year before, they took Kent Johnson at five and Cole Sillinger at 12. Is that 12 yep. they took Sillinger? Yep. yep. You took three forwards within top 12 already. Uh, I don't see a way you take another forward here. Um, So that's why I was very pleased that you left Pavel Mintikov on the board for Columbus. I don't Mm -hmm. love their defensive prospect pool. Like you have young guys there, but no one as elite or the possibility of being elite is Mintikov. Like you have your star defenseman in Warensky, but then after that you have possibilities of like guys like Boquist and Jake Bean is a possibility, but you have nothing completely transparent that they're gonna be like very good. I think having another prospect uh in Mintikov would be really valuable there. And I think that's who they take. I know you also have Coolmans there too, but Coolmans doesn't have the ability that Mintikov has. Um so I think that's a pretty easy pick for Columbus there. Uh even though yeah. a guy like Matt Savoy is on the board and they love taking like I mean you took Kent Johnson last year, another similar player as Savoy, but I think Minty the easy pick.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. I like that pick for them. Yeah, the defenseman. I think that's what they would likely do. I think they're kind of hoping either one way or the other. If, like, at number six, Juracek or Nemich is still on the board, I think Columbus jumps on that, and then they go forward at 12. But I think, again, kind of how the board went just now, I think both Juracek and Nemich are both off the board by the time they're picking. Yeah. So it kind of works out nicely there. Um, 13, Ryan Fugue and the New York Islanders.
3: Yes. what's Lou, what's uh, Lou doing? What's that dog doing? Uh, he's waking up from a nap. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's not doing much. Um, with how the board has gone, I def, if I were the GM, I definitely think I would go. So sa- 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 <laughs> Savoy, Savoy, just Savoy. Savoy. Yeah. That's how you pronounce it. I would definitely go him there, but, uh, I am not the GM. Lou Lamorella is the GM, and I would be shocked if Brad Lambert was not picked <laughs> at thirteen. So I, you're on the you're on the nepotism <laughs> special. A hundred percent. There is no way that they hired Lane Lambert as their head coach and then pass on his on Brad Lambert. There's just no way.
0: And Lambert's a guy who's just fallen down draft boards. But I mean, if we're if, if any team's going to have luck with them bouncing back, it would be the Islanders because. Obviously, Atu Ratu last season, having the big bounce back in the – I mean, obviously, he was in Finland, but still Islanders draft pick. So if you want to look at it like that, it doesn't make sense that the Islanders would be willing to take a swing on that. and also We, the we take
3: swings every single pick. Outside of the gift wrap present we got of Noah Dobson, we just swing for the fences with our pick. I'd, I'd be shocked if, like, the majority of people knew that Simone Holmstrom was in the AHL. Like, no one knows who our draft picks are until they show up on the NHL roster.
0: I did forget about <laughs> Simone Holmstrom. As did, I did everyone. About <laughs> I forgot about him. Oh, man, that's funny. Yeah, Brad Lambert, I would love, like, the – because, like, that's really high for him right now because most guys have him going around 20 right now, most draft boards. I mean, 13 to 20 is not a huge range, but still – with a guy of like his his perceived ceiling to what he actually performed to this season, it's definitely a stretch, and it's just like he showed some inconsistency. He was great in World Juniors; I thought he was one of the Finland's better players. But then the regular season, I mean, he struggled. You can you can argue whether or not there was deployment slash line mates, all that fun stuff. But yeah, definitely a intriguing player when it comes to the. Draft. He was
2: he was electrifying in the World Junior Championships. Like yeah, absolutely astounding to watch.
0: Yeah, no, he's I'm a little fun biased team. on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, mean, I personally like I've have him dropped pretty, pretty good in my like latest rankings, like that I do. I'm like twenty five, I think, just simply because like I'm really concerned about his production. But no, I still think there's upside there, and there's something to be had. Um, I'm up fourteen, and this is Winnipeg. Winnipeg's such a weird team to me too. Because like they're in such a weird funk of what are we with Mark Shifley basically asking out Pierre Luc Dubois saying I'm testing free agency in 2024. Do with that information as you please. Connor Hallbuck saying I'm not rebuilding. Uh, now Brendan Dillon's being shopped. Not that Brendan Dillon's like, the ask of those players, but I'm just naming. I'm just naming things that are coming to my head. Blake Wheeler, another one. Yeah. So it's so like right. they need to commit one way or the other, and I feel like Kevin Kevin Dayoff will not do that. So who's a player that who's a player that it played right in his backyard? There's two players. There's Matt Savoy and there's Connor Geeky. <laughs> you, know, you know who Kevin <laughs> off is going to really like with some size and maybe a little oh, bit quicker to the NHL. No. Connor Geeky, baby, Girl, sign um, him up. Connor Geeky to Winnipeg at 14. It's happening. It's happening.
2: You're serious. <laughs> you you think he's. Kevin
0: Shelley 100% serious. I couldn't be more wow. serious. He's going to pass on Savoy. You kind of look at their prospect pool right now. I did like the Profetti pick, um, but that's a guy a smaller guy with size. Earned smart and no, a smaller guy with like good upside. But then you kind of look at the rest of their picks like through Shuttle Day off. it has been like bigger guys who hope to make it. I think Connor Geeky's going to be another one of those. <laughs> I just I don't I like the winnipeg usually would, does in the draft.
2: I would throw up in my mouth if they took That's Connor so over like Savoy.
0: I'll laugh because um, I, because it's not my team. Last year, like we had we had like plenty of guys, Grant and I did of like players like we did not want Detroit to pick. And this year there's only one. We're like very, like, very adamantly, <laughs> only one player we don't want Detroit to pick and it's Connor Kiki. Now while we're on the record of doing it, it's gonna happen. Detroit's picking Connor Kiki at A. Yeah. It's just because but we do put you trust DBY? The-
3: I do trust CDY so.
0: because uh, Grant and I weren't too enthused about Simon Edvinson last year, and he's turned turned some heads, and probably make the Red Wings next year. So, I was I wanted William Mecklen really bad at six last year, yeah. so it was a little bit tough. But again, I think I don't th- I don't like Connor Geeky. That's a one player keep keep him away from Detroit. Um, I think I don't think he ends up in Detroit. I don't care. Cool, cool. Congrats. Send, send him to the moon. Yeah. Congrats Winnipeg. C- yeah. Congrats on Michael Rasmus Colin Miller. <laughs> um, man, I hope that happens. Even I'm, it's my scenario, but I really hope it happens. Uh, Grant, you're at 15 with Vancouver.
2: So with recent news, I was gonna go way off the board again. It was gonna be literally Ryan Chesley to Vancouver because they have literally no right-handed defenseman, and right. I think Chesley has a lot of. Is a, is a pretty solid prospect, uh, and it would be good for the system to add him. But now with Matt Savoy still on the board, I I don't see a way that they would just pass on him at fifteen. You know, maybe maybe they still take Chesley here, but <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go if I'm the Canucks, I'm taking Matt Savoy. I'm I'm walking right up to the podium. That's such an easy pick.
0: Nice, I think yeah. that's the right pick too. I don't. I don't.
2: To be honest, I don't love Savoy's game. I think he's really dangerous in the power play. Um, Like I said, it reminds me of Kent Johnson a little bit. But I don't love him five on five. I don't think he does a whole lot.
0: No, and like a, and a concern as well is well he got replaced on the top unit this year for Winnipeg on the power play. Yeah. By – um, oh, what's his name? He's draft eligible for next year. He's supposed to be, like, top five next year. I'm really blanking on his name. That sucks. Well, you know, Red Wings will probably be in the same position next year. So I'll learn his name. <laughs> yeah, I'll do oh, it. Good times, good times. Um, All yeah, right, number sixteen, Carson. But good back with Kevin Adams. Kevin. So
4: Adams. it's kind of like
0: it's kind of like last year. So the Buffalo had two picks last year. Kind of similar, like difference as well from
4: position yeah. to position. Very they, sick, took, right? um, they took Isaac Rosen. And... They, it
0: was Isaac. Ro- yeah, that's who I was trying to think yeah. of. They took Rosen last year.
4: He's had an interesting year, but you know TSHL Yeah. Well, even in World Juniors, he he can't get overshadowed a bit, but that's okay. I he's think he's gonna be to go off that. I think he's gonna yeah. play a lot more in the world. Juniors I, yeah, I'm in excited August. for this. I'm excited for this year. Me too. To see him a little bit more. Because he's an exciting pick at the time. It just he didn't really get the ice time to watch him. But I think with all those sabers forward prospects that they have, it's kind of a logjam up there, I think team has to look on the back end and unfortunately there's not a ton of right-handed defense that the Sabres need and when you have power and 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 uh and Darlene on the board on the team already very offensive minded I think you know look for someone a little defensive and I uh, I think Callie Odelius is, is his name yep. oh. I think that's a good pick for the Sabres just defensive minded just a nice relaxing pick that's that's what I wanted out of the Saber. Is just someone, someone calming. When you have two really good defensemen that are good uh, in the other end, I want someone you know a little more defensive minded on the team, and that's that's what I hope they get.
0: Cali is a good player. I like that pick. Yeah, thank you. I like Grant you Grant the you in oh. the slime. Oh, slime I, else, I wanted I wanted
4: Chesley. I know I um, I wanted it too, but I, I had my mindset.
0: Odelius was fun in the 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 world junior under 18s uh, he was a fun player I liked watching for he, he was he was really good. I liked him. Yeah. Um that's gonna do it though. That was uh our little exercise of the the draft. So draft Thursday, 7 p.m. I'm really curious to see what happens. I'm really excited. Hopefully there's some big trades though. Obviously, we didn't factor in trades because I don't think it's just so hard to predict in a mock draft scenario, and it just would take way too long. And then it'd be harder for us, harder for me anyway, because then I have to figure out the new order of trades. So I'm really glad that didn't happen. But yeah, thank yeah. I do like Fugue's uh, John Gibson in New Jersey take. That's fun. Well, hopefully it happens. I'd love it. I want to see it happen so bad. But uh, thank you both for coming on so much. Uh, thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Yes. Thank you. And we're back. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I'm really glad they were able to come on and give our give their two cents. Um yeah, I, I thought that was great. And I think otherwise for this episode, I'm not really thinking of a lot else that needs to be covered. I mean, there's the Jesse Pugliarvi rumors that have kind of been circulating a lot recently. Kevin Weeks has put another tweet, kind of uh, what are you saying? Thumbs down to you don't want RV? No, I think he's terrible.
3: Wow. <laughs> I yeah, do we're, Grant Grand I, I are
0: full on in the RV camp.
1: Full on. I will take Pouliarvi easily. <laughs> I'm not a fan of him.
0: Really? So, you and you and Edmonton Media, like, you and Mark Spector are best buddies.
1: No, it's just, I, yeah, me and Mark texting back and forth. <laughs> yeah, so and just, Jim Matheson, too. It's a three way group chat. Just to me, he, he has all the tools there, just doesn't put them to use.
0: Yeah, I, I, he's definitely raw. But, like, again, like, you look at his analytics, and I know, like, people can go a little too deep into analytics, but I think that. His numbers suggest that there's something more there. I understand his hands aren't the best. His finishing is not the best, but I think dude, this is he's a guy, he's a dog on a puck.
1: You know yeah. what I
0: mean? I think like that brings a lot of value to a, a team like Detroit where you have a setup guy like Raymond, you have a finishing guy like Verana, and you have a guy who can create space like Poole If you put that on a roster, I'm curious what he can do. I I'm gladly giving up to like a, a second round pick for him any day of the week.
4: Yeah, you know, easy. I I'm,
0: not, I'm not giving up any more than that, but I think that's something that is very stomachable. Very stomachable.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, so I guess we don't see it fully the same, but again, I
1: don't think we're that far off either, Andy. I just think he's like a, a third-line player that, I don't know. Maybe like you're he right. Has the up- he has the upside of being a top six, but he just hasn't. He's had the opportunities playing as two of the best players in the world. Worst-case worst
2: scenario, though, you're giving up a second-rounder for a third-line player then.
3: Yeah, yeah which odds
0: are good. that second-rounder wasn't going to be an NHL player. Yeah, so. but... oh. Um. There is a report that just came out that I kind of want to touch on quick, because uh, Ryan McDonough was traded... Um. Oh, was yeah. it Saturday?
4: Yeah.
0: What was it? Yeah, he was traded yeah. Saturday from Tampa Bay to Nashville. Again, it just shows how... like, un- like Tampa Bay is not loyal to anyone, which is how it should be. Um, there's a report coming out though that uh McDonough nixed a trade to the Columbus. So I guess there was a deal in place to go to Columbus and he nixed it. Oh. kind of crazy. Uh it was reported by Kiprios. Um I obviously there's like audio attached to it, but I mean I haven't listened to it yet. But um pretty crazy. So kind of like kind of seems that Columbus maybe is not set on uh, staying pat with this rebuild maybe. They're looking to take a couple swings.
2: Or they want him to kind of be that new kind of good face for a young defenseman too, like I got yeah. like Boquist too. But yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that. Kind of crazy. I wonder what the package back was.
3: I think or. it's like it
0: would be. I think it's in the audio, but it's from like Kipper. It's like Kipper and Born. But I mean, I haven't listened to it yet. I just saw. It. I'm literally. It was like thirty minutes ago that it broke. Um. Very interesting though. It kind of shows like how many teams would be interested in McDonough, even with the, uh, the contract aside. You know what I mean? Because, like, it's not great, but it's pretty, like, depending how you're using him, it's stomachable.
2: Yeah, I was curious about Detroit, um, mm-hmm. if there's anything there. So, just because...
1: Eisman,
0: I, I think, signed him that contract, I'm pretty sure,
4: Well, if I'm not mistaken. Y- you have
2: Eisman, yeah. and then you have... Uh, New coach Willund. now too, yeah. New Willund. coach now, so um, really interesting. Yeah,
0: would have been something there. I don't know. I'm curious to you know if there actually was something to be talked about there. Uh, but yeah, silly season's upon us. I'm excited to see what happens in the draft. Detroit's making any big moves. Um, again, Larkin extension going into free agency as well. But yeah, I think it's gonna do it for this one. Unless you guys got anything else.
2: Uh, apparently, Columbus had an agreement in place for ryan mcdonald to be waived in order for the blue jackets to claim him
0: interesting so they were gonna what they're gonna waive him then that's uh, so
2: what mark Sheeg tweeted
0: interesting okay from
2: uh, columbus
0: so it wasn't a trade so i misread that really huh. weird i'm curious to know like how that would have like worked out because he didn't have a no move clause he had a no trade
1: clause to my knowledge well, hold on but could anyone could have just picked that up like Right, like Columbus, I think Colum-
0: yeah, Columbus was like pretty. Would be one of the first ones that could be able to claim because it goes by standings.
1: Right from the previous year, the first to have it, it would have been who?
2: How do you have an agreement for someone to be waived and claim them though?
1: That's what I don't get. Yeah, I
2: don't, I
1: don't know. There's don't like know a forty
2: five second.
0: Or is yeah. it like maybe like Kiprios. if he
1: falls through the cracks, Columbus is guaranteeing like picking him up. If they they would have they would have picked him up for sure. Maybe yeah yeah I don't know. Maybe that's the only way about it because there's two or three, maybe four teams in front of Columbus. I can't remember exactly how the standings went that right. had the head dibs on that before Columbus would have.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully, there's some more silly stories like this to come out. I'm so excited, so excited. All right, yeah, that's gonna do it for this one. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, make sure you support Inside the Rink. Check out a our NHL. Uh, 2022 draft live stream it hasn't been officially announced yet but it's gonna be happening Thursday night let's keep a look at that your boy is gonna be on there the whole night so tune in um, check us out on Twitter